Rather be blind than left behind when babe we're living unrefined. We fall down. Welcome to Composer Quest Season 6. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran. And in this show, I talk with all kinds of creative people to find out how to write better music. This episode is somewhat of a detour, though. Instead of talking with a budding composer, I talked with a budding podcaster, Jenny Handke. You're currently hearing Jenny's beautiful voice in this song by her friend's band, William Within. Jenny had asked to learn the ins and outs of podcasting, so I thought it'd be fun to give her first-hand experience by making her the guest producer of this episode. She interviewed me about my podcasting process, and during our conversation, she shares some of her own tips on interviewing that she learned as a journalism student. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, um, I don't know, my dad always gave me this example. It's like, if you're trying to um, bargain with someone, you just you stay quiet. And you let them speak. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and more than likely, they will um, get close to what you want them to say, basically. <laughs> and that applies a lot to interviewing for stories or like for a podcast. Jenny also asked what I've learned in editing so many Composer Quest episodes. But I think the main thing to, to keep in mind is like, there's moments where you just kind of have to have a good ear for a natural conversation flow. And some people are like really all over the place with like their tone. And so it's hard to match up if you make a cut. Maybe their tone is all over the place. Before we get into our talk, I have some Composer Quest news. Our next Composing Quest will start on Saturday, the Minkino Film Score Fest Challenge. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard about this one, since we've done it two years now in the past. We pair up composers and filmmakers to make short films with original scores, which are then performed live at the screening by the ComposerQuest Orchestra. You won't want to miss this one, so sign up at ComposerQuest.com after 4pm Central on Saturday, April 9th. If you're in Minnesota, come say hi at our kickoff event on Saturday at 2pm at Landmark Center in St. Paul. This show is totally patron-supported, and I want to say again how much I appreciate those of you who've been donating. If anyone out there is considering becoming a patron, this season is your last chance to get in on those Patreon rewards, like getting a custom jingle. You can sign up at patreon.com charlie if you want to get involved. Why is this the last chance, you might be wondering? Well, Season 7 will be my final season, and I'll be on the road for the ComposerQuest World Tour, and I'll be focusing more on some fun Kickstarter rewards during that season. So speaking of that, stay tuned for my announcement of the World Tour Kickstarter in the next few weeks. I'm getting excited to share my plans with you. Alright, let's get on to my conversation with Jenny Hankey. And stick around till the end of our conversation to hear about Jenny's own podcast idea, which I think is a really fascinating concept. All right, cool. I'm rolling, so <laughs> we'll just go for it. How long have you been um, podcasting? Uh, let's see, three years? This is, yeah, the end of my third year of doing this podcast. 
And so. oh wow. And this was this like your first sort of endeavor into the podcasting world? Yeah. Or did uh, you have any sort of like experience in audio production or anything before that or was it Audio just... production, yeah. Uh I've been doing like music recording. That was my okay. my big thing. Oh, I see. Uh but yeah, so I I've done audio production for I uh, probably ten years, Is fifteen that years. What you but, went to school for? Well, I went to school for composition. Okay. And we didn't really learn anything on the technical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of just self-taught, starting from when I had a band in high school, like just recording using a really crappy mic, plugging it into my like. The little mic jack mm-hmm. on the computer, which is like a terrible way to actually record music. Okay. Like one mic in a in a room with my whole band, and that was like the recordings we did at the beginning. But nice. But yeah, I think I kind of got interested in podcasting um, when I was in Tanzania for. Uh, teaching abroad I ended up doing kind of like an audio journal uh every once in a while mm. just like recording some some of the cool music there and uh just like kind of cataloging my thoughts mm-hmm. just with this crappy little mic that plugged into my iPod mm-hmm. at the time and yeah so that was really the beginning of the inspiration and the, those recordings were kind of embarrassing because it was just like the hardest part for me at the beginning was figuring out how to talk into, the, like, talk to myself, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a shock to see the largest city of Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, as um, basically a city with lots of people and maybe two um paved roads and lots of cars and lots of people and no traffic laws. I'm not like a natural talker and it's even harder when you're talking to yourself. (laughs) Right. With the intent to then show it to other people too. Yeah. It's weird. And I feel like every time that I'm interviewing someone, well, when I went to school for journalism, so I would do, I would have to, you know, obviously wrote a lot of stories and did a lot of interviews and it's like immediately when you put a mic in front of someone it changes the entire mood mm-hmm. and a lot of people get really nervous around that when they see like the red light blinking mm-hmm. so sometimes it was just i mean you obviously can't record a conversation with someone without them knowing especially if you're going to then use it for like sourcing and putting it into an article. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes it was like, oh, just pretend that it's not there. Really, (laughs) really not that important. And most of the time it was just for me to go back and to transcribe everything. Oh, yeah. And it's it was just to catch like an, you know, authentic conversation. But sometimes people would just totally freeze and then look at the mic and be like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, totally. It is weird, it, like talking for an audience. Yeah, which is I've never done that before. But I, I sort of did the same thing that you did in Tanzania when I was in South America recently. Oh, and, cool. And um, 
I I went with the intent to record everything and then sort of make uh, like a short series of episodes um, and then just like share it with friends or whoever had the time and was bored enough to listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was so intimidating and I didn't speak Spanish. So I ended up actually just recording like sounds of nature and um, like the sounds of my environments when I was there and mostly in Patagonia, which was like two thirds of my trip. It's November 16th, um, 11.30 to midnight-ish in Bolstone. It's cold and rainy. And even then it was like, I probably only have maybe four hours of audio from three months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So well, that was... So hard to make a show out of that. If it was... Very. And I'm like talking to my friends. I'm like, maybe I could just make one of those like meditation sounds. Yeah. Sounds like of nature idea. for... But that's... I don't know. So I'm glad that I got at least that. But did you ever do anything with the recordings that you did in Tanzania? Uh, yeah, well, I I put them up on their own as like maybe four episodes that were like 10, 15 minutes each. But they're somewhat embarrassing, so I didn't like publicize them too much. But I did end up like repurposing some of that for a Composer Quest episode on Tanzanian music. Oh, so awesome. I just kind of like put in a few of those recordings in that. Oh, very cool. But did you have a guest for that episode? I did. Yeah, I I interviewed someone over Skype. Um, actually, one of the monks that I was staying with over there. That's so um, cool. Yeah. Wow. He composed. Uh, he composes music for the the church there and yeah he's a really interesting guy and it's funny how your perspective changes when you're there because i considered him like one of the best english speakers um and his english is very good but i didn't hear how thick his accent was until i came back here and then skyped with him you know like five years later right whoa he is kind of hard to understand yeah uh for me and i know that like speaking pattern right so I think people still, I didn't hear any comments like, oh, I couldn't understand him at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it was good to have, I don't know, for me, like, with the podcasting, it's always nice to have a guest. Because, I don't know, I, I think if you're doing just a solo podcast, it's really hard to make that engaging. Like, like as a listener, thinking about the podcasts I listen to, there's a lot of, like, back and forth. And it's like, as a listener... You're more attuned to a conversation, I think. Right. Versus, like, someone just having a monologue. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I think definitely it's more interesting to have two people on a podcast just because it's more conversational, Mm -hmm. which, yeah, is easier to follow than someone just 
sounding like they're reading a script or something. Mm-hmm. I Just thinking about the ones I listen to, um, the two that I listen to that work really well as monologue podcasts are The Tobolowski Files, which is Stephen Tobolowski, the actor who was Ned Ryerson in Groundhog's Day, like the okay. insurance salesman. Yeah. His is really good because he actually has like scripted stories. Mm-hmm. And he's an actor, so they're right. great stories. And then the other one is Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast. I don't yeah. know if you listen to that one at I, all. But... I'm familiar, but I haven't listened to yeah. it yet. It's ridiculous. Um, and it's just him talking off the top of his head. Mm-hmm. But because he's a comic and he like knows pacing and right. stuff, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. That is an exception where if like, you have a bold personality and you know how to keep people engaged and listening especially if it's funny mm-hmm. way easier yeah. whereas i'm not confident doing that <laughs> i could i could just embarrass myself which would be yeah. probably funny for me but <laughs> i don't know if anyone else would be interested in hearing that <laughs> i yeah well i, I think it's totally topical too because like like i'm i do a mini sub podcast of composer quests that's just me like talking about production techniques Okay. And in that one, I also like script it out. I write out everything. And then I plan out like, so I I use a lot of musical examples in that, like showing, breaking down my productions. So I think if it was just me like reading off, like, this is how you compose, blah, 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 it'd be boring. But because I'm able to put in musical examples to break it up, I think that helps. Yeah, for sure. Do you listen to Radiolab? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're like the editing savants of podcasting. <laughs> they just edit the shit out of yeah. all episodes. Yeah, which is I don't I because the world of like audio production and editing is so foreign to me, and I I I have very little experience in that. It just amazes me how they can do that every week, and not only like produce like get a story and get people to interview, and I'm sure that takes more than just a week, but to have an episode come out every week. Yeah. And then to put it all together, but then also to add in all of the musical elements and all the sound effects. Yeah. I just I, don't <laughs> understand how yeah. they can do that. Like they've And I and Jad I think does most of the music himself. Oh really? So, yeah, yeah. He studied composing actually, I think, as his degree. Um, oh wow. So I didn't know that. I I've really I I've knew tried that. to get him on the podcast. Really? But yeah. Pretty busy, oh, obviously. So, cool. so Yeah. Yeah, um, I could imagine he's got a pretty tight schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. But yeah, Radiolab, I remember when I first heard it, feeling like, oh, this is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get used to it and get in that rhythm. But yeah, someone pointed out that like there's almost no situations where a sentence is finished by the same person <laughs> in that show. It's like one person will uh, start the sentence, then they cut to the interviewee. Right. And then back to Jad or whatever. Right, Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I guess I never even realized that, but I think that it does make it... I mean, I obviously think it makes it work because I don't even notice that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's still able to push the story, basically their conversation forward. Because a lot of times you know, people, interviewee, or interviewees can just go on and on and on and, you know, mm-hmm. lose direction. <laughs> but you need, as the interviewer, to be able to push you know move that back into where the conversation needs to go but then even in editing it's so much easier because you can just cut them off (laughs) (laughs) and then you know like sum up what they were trying to say Mm -hmm. essentially so what kind of 
like interviewing tips did you learn in school? Um, a lot of it was just like figure out yourself because there were maybe three classes where it was just like just reporting classes and the teachers were there for sort of guidance and it wasn't exactly like we're going to go over interviewing today. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of trial and error and I'm still not exactly comfortable interviewing everyone because it depends a lot on like what you're talking about. Like for me, this is super easy because it's a conversation and it's something that I'm really interested in. And mm-hmm. so it's using this as an example, it's it's really easy to keep a conversation flowing and to um, bring it back and be able to go, you know, get my questions asked without even having to ask the question. Whereas sometimes like, I interviewed a guy who opened a new grocery store and he was Indian and that was really painful because he A didn't really speak English very well and B was wouldn't give me a lot of information and mm. so it was really hard to kind of ask not like knowing how to ask the right questions but knowing how to like approach them and um that was tough but it was I don't know. Um, tips. Yeah. Well, I think it's also trickier too when when you have to remove yourself from the conversation as the interviewer. Yeah, like, that's like Composer the... Quest like conversational style is way easier I think than if I was interviewing someone and cutting me out because like you have to get them to initiate the whole topic on their mm-hmm. own. <laughs> Yeah, and as, well, I did a couple of audio stories in school, and I, the hardest part for me was, like, not, not saying anything, like, not even saying, like, yeah, right, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because <laughs> then I couldn't use that audio because it was it was distracting, at, like, to hear the other person's voice in there when someone's explaining something that's critical to the whole story you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing was like just not interrupting people, and because normally if you're talking, if you ask the right questions, hopefully they will lead to um, getting other questions answered before you even has have to ask them. That a lot of times depends on who you're interviewing too, yeah, um, and how well they're able to like gauge you know a conversation and if they're just like totally everywhere and. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, tend to like tangent. Da- yeah. You have the danger both ways of like, well, if you don't cut someone off, they'll keep going. Yeah. But right. it's kind of like my method is, since I know I'm editing, I kind of let people keep going because I know myself, like I'm, I often like take a little pause to like try and figure out my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And often like the most interesting ideas come after the point where I would be tempted to like right. insert myself yeah. and ask a question. Yeah, it's kind of like um uh, I don't know, my dad always gave me this example is like if you're trying to um bargain with someone, you just you stay quiet and you let them <laughs> speak. <laughs> oh, yeah. And more than likely they will um get close to what you want them to say basically (laughs) and that applies a lot to interviewing for stories or like for a podcast or an episode Mm. or something because the more that you they can talk that obviously gives you more audio to work with and more to substantiate a conversation and so a lot of times 
like you said, when it would seem like a natural pause in the conversation, and instead of going right away and asking another question just like off a list, giving them the freedom to keep talking and like that pause for them is also important so that they can collect their thoughts and then maybe, you know, answer a different question or give you more details. And then that's like something that you could use an example of in, in an episode or in a story. Yeah. So being quiet also, yeah. <laughs> which you wouldn't think to do as an interviewer. Yeah. But to like at least have, you know, some sort of self-control and holding back. Yeah, the, the most annoying interviews to me are when the person who's interviewing talks more than 50% of the time. Uh-huh. And I have noticed that, like, I, once I've started interviewing people, I notice in interviews when the interviewer is, like, eating up all the time and you're like, yeah. I don't know. It's... Yeah. Well, no, it makes sense because the whole reason that you're having them on the show is to like to provide some other perspective to get some new information. And the more that you are talking, at least in my experience, the more that you're providing them like the story that you have in mind, which at least like in a journalism point of view is unfair because you're sort of setting them up for what you want them to say, at least. So, for example, like if I was talking to... I interviewed a girl who had one arm who was uh, on her, like, high school varsity swim team, and she was really good, and she only had one arm. Um, And then uh, asking her, like, what sort of challenges she faced and, like, how does that affect you, only having one arm, and how are you so good, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. When, like, the real story was actually, like, about her and her team and less about, like, Although it is an individual sport, but what was more interesting in talking to her was like her involvement in the team and how that has like helped her get in, you know, to the varsity swimming. Hmm. Um, so if I had like just been quiet, we could have gotten to that point a lot quicker and I would have like not yeah. wasted so much time. Although I don't know, I think that was an interesting thing. Obviously, a one armed swimmer. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of a fine line between like, you know, you have uh, someone as a guest on your podcast might have this interesting thing about them that you want to highlight in the show, Mm -hmm. just because it's like interesting to hear about that. But at the same time, they've probably also been asked about it a ton. So maybe they are less interested in talking about that than you you might think. <laughs> yeah. Or they have a really good answer already for Yeah, you. that's true. That, <laughs> yeah. that is... The... They know how to answer that question, but... That's true. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Um, you were mentioning something about comments, like getting feedback about episodes... Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of few and far between that I get comments specifically about certain episodes. More like just generic things that fans write in, like loving the podcast or... I don't know. I feel like maybe if people didn't enjoy the episode, they probably wouldn't actually bother taking the time to tell me about it. Right. So Yeah. So that that's uh, the hard thing about podcasting sometimes is like you... Especially at the beginning, you're just broadcasting it to the world, Mm -hmm. and you kind of just don't know what people think about it. Yeah. So I think one thing that helped at the beginning was just sending it to close friends and asking for that feedback. Right. Like, some people would say, like, it's too long, should be shorter. Other people would say, oh, I like the whole thing, so. Yeah, like a a beta mode or Mm, beta process almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you, do people normally just email you or, yeah. or how do they get in contact with you? Cause you're on iTunes. Or yep. uh, yeah. 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 So iTunes, people 
have done reviews, but it really takes like pushing to get people to actually do iTunes reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are always cool to read. Yeah. But yeah, mostly people email. I always put my email. I say my email in the episode. And I, I made sure to get to say charlie at composerquest.com rather than charlie at charliemccarran.com because people might be like, I have no idea how to spell that. Yeah. <laughs> so just having an easy email is good. Um, Twitter, I try to do pretty regularly. Mm. Facebook, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you know how many listeners you have? It's that part is the part that is really tricky to figure out because you basically have to look at the stats on the individual MP3 files that say, like, this has been downloaded 2,000 times this month. But that's really, there's like not, that's not a good statistic because it could be that someone just clicked play and stopped listening after Mm -hmm. 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I think if I were going to do it again, I would go through a service that keeps track of stats for you. So I know there are some out there, and off the top of my head, I don't want to say which ones they are because I can't remember for sure which ones yeah. keep track of stats. But yeah, but there's like a Google Google Analytics for yeah like MP3s and audio files. And... I think so. It's I really wish iTunes would have that. You'd think like, that they it, would because yeah, I'm sure they they're... have it, but they just have never made it public. Yeah. So it's potentially that's to avoid like people scamming their system, like by figuring out how the system works. And because they have like for their top rankings, it's some weird proprietary formula of like how many subscribers there are and how many plays, uh, how many, how many downloads, okay. that kind of thing. Oh, so that's like an internal sort of like tracking yeah. system. Yeah. That'd be nice if they would. It would be nice. Like, provide something so that the podcasters or yeah. the hosters would actually have an idea. I don't know. But I feel like, I guess, I was going to say like Radio Lab or This American Life or something would have that. But they obviously have their own. Yeah. Well. <laughs> formats and platforms to do that with. Yeah. The yeah. main reason I decided to not go the route of like a third party stat thing is that you then are tied to them forever. Like you have to have your podcast XML feed. That has to be through their site okay so maybe there's a way you could switch it later but if you have listeners you want to keep the same xml link so they can find it yep yeah so that it'll always stay the same so i wanted to keep that on my own like composerquest.com yeah server and do you just use like what programs do you use to edit and to Uh, upload i I mean upload really depends on yeah, so I go kind of like a technical annoying route for most people. Like I actually edit the XML file myself since I know coding, so I can go in and put all the data in that way. Um, but that would be another reason to use an external service because it would be easier to enter like all the text and stuff in a, another site, if that makes sense. <laughs> I can, uh, probably this like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I know nothing about coding and all my, I just, I used um, like some free program online that I had to download to, I don't even remember what it was called, like uh, Audio Wave or something like that. I don't know. Super basic amateur sort of editing program. Sure. So, oh, you, you, so you're talking about like the editing of the, the show itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I use Ableton Live, but yeah, there's there's free programs out there too. Audacity, 
Audacity. That's the yeah, one that I use. That yep. Yeah, that's a the classic free one. Yeah, um, and it's decent, but there's some really annoying things about it too. Yeah, yeah. So I learned that. Yeah. Very quickly. That was really annoying. Do you have Windows or Mac? Mac. Okay, then I would say maybe GarageBand would be a mm. good way to go. Yeah. For editing. Yeah, I've been looking at Pro Tools, and it's so expensive. Yeah. I never, <laughs> my friend told me how, like, she needs to get a new computer and she's just, like, terrified that it's going to die on her because then she has to get Pro Tools again. And I'm like, oh. well, because she she had, like, some sort of illegal oh. download or something that wasn't actually, she didn't pay two yeah. grand for. Yeah. But the moment she told there's... me how much it was, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to get. No. No. Pro, like, I need to be a you... professional to get yeah, <laughs> you... someone else pay for it, you know? <laughs> well, for editing a podcast, GarageBand is just as good as Pro Tools. Yeah. Aside from maybe some like workflow things that would maybe be easier with Pro Tools, but when it's just like a conversation sort of podcast, yeah, there's free options that are <laughs> yeah. you don't need. Yeah. Well, she, this friend, she went to school for audio engineering, so she, mm, she, okay. I don't know how she got it, but I don't know. Maybe she needed it for school or something, but she had it, and she, she knows how to do it, and. I don't have any idea. Yeah. And that's sort of what I wanted to talk to you about is that process and how you learned it. Was it mostly self-taught or did you sort of have like some guidance in that? Yeah. Well, uh, the editing conversations part was just trial and error. And like with the Composer Quest episodes, I do a lot of editing, more than a sane person would do probably. (laughs) Uh, But I'm weaning myself off of doing it that way but at the beginning when I was first interviewing people I realized like I I, just because I wasn't the best interviewer I was pausing a lot and taking interviews in directions that didn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. more so than I do nowadays so my editing at the beginning was kind of like trying to piece this conversation together in ways that made sense still Mm -hmm. and flowed in a fake way because that's not the way the actual conversation went uh but in the past like year maybe the past two years of the show i haven't i've pretty much kept it lined up from the beginning of the conversation to the end of the conversation okay and just cutting out the dull bits yeah the parts in between that yeah yeah don't really provide anything okay i see um and did you have sort of like any experience in working with these programs before you started podcasting or was it yeah from experimenting with recording music of course so that helps but the yeah i guess i haven't really talked about editing conversations before but i think the main thing to 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 keep in mind is like there's there's moments where you just kind of have to have a good ear for a natural conversations flow Mm mm-hmm and some people are like really all over the place with like their tone their tone and so it's hard to match up if you make a cut maybe right. their tone is all over the place right other people are more monotone mm-hmm. i think i'm probably more on the monotone end of the spectrum but yeah some people are much easier to edit than others yeah uh so it really depends each episode. Yeah. And that whole part that I just was saying, there's so many parts that were broken up in that. Like, that would be a good example of something you should try and edit. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I've been kind of keeping in mind, like, what I could add or, like, how I could. Yeah. 
Because that, like, that situation, that's when I want to edit myself because I just, like, ramble yeah. and pause and, like, try to explain it better, but don't have the right words for it, so. Yeah. All right, yeah. this this is your ex- experiment part, or your, uh, this is your assignment. And then we'll insert my edited version of what I just said, maybe right now. But I think the main thing to to keep in mind is like there's moments where you just kind of have to have a good ear for a natural conversation flow. And some people are like really all over the place with like their tone. And so it's hard to match up if you make a cut. Maybe right. their tone is all over the place. Right. Other people are more monotone. Mm-hmm. I think I'm probably more on the monotone end of the spectrum. But yeah, some people are much easier to edit than others. Yeah. So it really depends each episode. Yeah. And that whole part that I just was saying, there's so many parts that were broken up in that. Like, that would be a good example of something you should try and edit. Well, that is, I mean, any NPR thing you listen to, they do that a ton. I would bet that any pauses that are over a few seconds, they just chop down Mm -hmm. for time reasons. But also just to keep people engaged. Yeah, and I feel like, at least for my assignment, it was important to do that just because I feel like people would automatically lose interest very quickly, but also because I was on a time constraint and I had to be within, you know, a certain number of minutes. And if I had kept in those pauses, it would have put, like, doubled the time that I, for, like, really important clips that I needed to include. So I was asking one of my buddies who does, like, the audio production, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. do that all the time. Oh, yeah. And I was so nervous. I was, like, going to go ask my professor, and it was, like, this big ordeal that I made up in my head. But it's, like, things like that that I don't know in, yeah. in editing audio is, like, yeah, what's, what's kosher and what's not, like, what's acceptable that I can cut out? What can I add in? And Yeah. I take the approach of I can cut anything out I want. Yeah. In a new situation, yeah, that is, I suppose, a little trickier. As long as you're not changing the overall message or their right. their meaning. Right, yeah. And that's that was the gist that I got, you know, sure. from my classes was, I mean, obviously in, like, journalism and newspaper and magazine writing, there's, it's like, you have to be truthful and honest and, you, you know, can't edit something to change a message or meaning or, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, tone or attitude. Yeah. Because you can do that with just a couple of words. Yeah. But for the purposes of a podcast, like for entertainment, and you have more freedom to do that because you're not under like some authority sort of yeah. telling you what you can and can't do. Yeah. It's your own podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I think my philosophy too is like, I'm trying to make these people sound as smart as possible, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, so I will take out some ums and if they go off in a different direction, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll cut that out. But yeah, it is a weird moral question, I suppose, if you're like, let's say you're interviewing political candidates or something like that. Where do you draw the line of like, this is how this actual person talks um, versus like trying to make them sound smarter <laughs> Yeah. on one hand and right or if you don't like them exactly like, then you can just keep <laughs> all that just stuff keep in, that there. in there yeah <laughs> yeah well, if it was donald trump he would like he, i don't know i wouldn't edit he any would... of that <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't edit anything out of him but yeah uh oh, that's ridiculous that's so um you've been doing it for three years and do you produce a podcast every week or how well, does that work what i've been doing is three months on three months off three months on and uh once a week when i am doing the podcast 
So I realized early on that having a schedule is really important. So I just picked Wednesday. I was doing, let's see, Tuesday and Friday or something like that. I was doing two a week at the beginning, and that Mm. was kind of insane. Yeah. (laughs) That ended up being like 40 hours a week when I was... Oh, wow. Doing it. It's a full-time job. Because, yeah, it was that I wasn't getting paid for. (laughs) Yeah. But at the beginning, it was really helpful to just immerse myself in it completely and do that, like, two episodes a week, always working on interviews and editing and preparing for the next interview. Yeah. But, yeah, I think just in general, like, with creative projects, having a regular thing that you have a deadline for Mm -hmm. just makes sure you get it done. Yeah. (laughs) Do you make um, any money off of it now? I do. Yeah, I have patrons um, through patreon.com. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that site. Um, It sounds familiar, but I'm not... Yeah, so it's like, it works really well for podcasts and episodic things, because it's like, you get people who are interested in helping uh, support the podcast, You they get to sign up and say like, I'm going to donate $1 per episode, or $2, or $3, and then every time I put out an episode, it just charges them. Okay. So people who know that I do it like once a week, yeah, they, there's different, it's like a Kickstarter, but just in small chunks. Right. And when did you find out about that? I had known about it four or five years ago, maybe. Okay. But I didn't actually start doing it with the podcast until a year in. Okay. Uh, you could always start it earlier from the very beginning even. Yeah. Because it's not like, uh, it, you can just have it there and if it works, that's cool. But for me, I felt like I had to show that I was doing something regularly before yeah. I could actually ask for money for it. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and what was I going to ask? Is there something else? Well, the other way I have made money through the podcast is I had a sponsor, lynda.com, sponsored ah. for like one season. Cool. So that was cool because it was out of the blue. Uh, they approached you about it? Yeah. What? Yeah, it was... Uh, they were doing a, I think, a marketing push to try and get on every single podcast possible. Uh, I see. So uh, they didn't really offer me much because <laughs> it's all based on listenership. Right. So I had to go through, like I was talking about earlier, I had to go through and get the stats on all the MP3s every episode, every month, and put together this big list. Mm. Um, so it turned out that average listenership was like. 2000 per episode. Wow. And for that amount, generally CPM is like cost per million, maybe. I don't know. That's some advertising term. Mm-hmm. But it's basically like for 2000 listens, a good rate supposedly is probably like 20 bucks. So that was around what they offered me. And I was like, per episode? Mm. Yeah. And I was like, no, you know, it's going to take me more time to actually record your ad than yeah. it's worth. So they, I gave them a counter offer and they upped it somewhat. But yeah, for my ads, I wanted to make it fit into the podcast episodes a little bit. Mm. And that was easier with Linda because they're like, oh, education site, learning about music and any sort of thing. Um, right. They have the free courses. Well, not free because, yeah. You need to have some sort of subscription. Too. Yeah. You, so it was like I offered a free trial for people. And then so I, I tried to incorporate it into the episode. So I, they let me like pull some audio from their videos 
Okay. Like instructional videos. So I'd always say like, well, in this episode, we're talking about this aspect of composing. So here's a Linda video that relates. And mm. then I use some of that. Okay. So have you ever uh, like reached out to companies or organizations and said like, hey, I'll, let's make a deal or something? Yeah, I tried uh, doing that with um, Finale, the music notation software. Okay. Just because they, they were a local company here. And I thought, well, it fits in with composing um and the they were really nice like they actually did a blog write-up about composer quests uh but they said like yeah we just don't have money for sponsoring podcasts yeah right so i haven't done any more reaching out just because i feel like since i started doing the patron thing i'm already i'd I'd rather almost say that it's a listener supported podcast than like have a sponsor who realistically with the numbers of listeners i'm getting they're not going to be able to pay me that much Mm -hmm. per episode so i see that's cool. Yeah. Um, one thing that I was interested in is how did you come up with Composer Quest as a name? Like the name? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. I think I just thought of the the old games like Heroes Quest or uh, the, oh, okay. that, like kind of a video gamey and that's theme and right that uh, makes sense with your icon. Yeah. Too. Yeah, so I was going to call it Composer's Quest, but then in the first episode, my friend who I interviewed, um, so he made like a theme song for the show in that episode. And he just, yeah, I do that with every episode, actually. Like I have someone, if they're willing, like do a theme song for their own episode. Oh, okay. So it changes every time. Oh, okay. I was thinking you would take that song and then have that artist or composer play it in a different style or something. Oh, well, I thought about that too, but I thought it would be more fun if they like wrote their own custom thing. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, so my friend who did that theme song, his theme song, he just said it was Composer Quest rather than Composer's Quest, Uh which was what I was thinking. So I was like, well, I'll just stick with that. Yeah. (laughs) It's easier to say. Yeah, it is. Composer Quest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I was going to ask you why you had that that image. Oh, yeah. picture. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's your reaction to that image? Um, I didn't really know how it made sense. And how it related to composing, because it looks like a Viking guy or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think it doesn't translate as well, because it, if you look at it, it's actually like a, a conductor uh, oh. with a baton instead of a sword. And there's okay. like little music notes above him. I see. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my friend Matt did that. But I think in a tiny podcast form, it's like not as... Right. And I'm looking at it on my phone. Too, yeah. Like a yep. small screen. So I was mm-hmm. like, Vikings. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know about that, how they related. But knowing like where this title came from, video game kind of theme and then... Mm-hmm. And I do interview video game composers too. That makes sense. Sort of makes sense. But yeah, but yeah the that is a, a good point about like the image being really influential. There's a lot of podcasts that maybe are good, but you just naturally judge a book by its cover. Right. And if it's a crappy, some, some, just like a slapped on font and crappy graphics, mm-hmm. that will totally turn off people. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah. So what kind of podcasts are you interested in doing? potentially um i sort of am working on one right now with my friend it's kind of funny and kind of weird (laughs) um so we're recording conversations that we have with people of whom we are going on dates with oh Um, and i am doing the tinder version and she's doing like the organic version so people that she meets in real life not on dating apps oh 
um which is interesting it's going okay it's like making me go on dates which is i don't know it's sort of stressful and tedious because i feel like i'm just doing it so i can get audio <laughs> because i just not because i want to go on dates with anybody <laughs> and i haven't talked to her since we started doing it but i i have like three dates recorded and I have yet to, like, go back and listen to it because I just feel like it's going to be all cringy. <laughs> I don't want to remember that. <laughs> but oh. it is, I mean, so I, our idea was to sort of, like, compare and contrast, like, what what it's like to date on an app versus, like, dating organically um, with people that you meet hmm. outside of, like digital worlds and it's actually pretty interesting because i feel like the conversations that i'm having are much more i mean again i haven't talked to her about it but at least comparing from like dating not on tinder and dating on tinder it's like you get straight to the point right away and you like learn what people are looking for right away which is good and bad and people ask me like what i'm looking for and i'm like i just want to get audio (laughs) like i don't (laughs) want to date you Wow, that is no, that is like a very meta concept for the podcast. And yeah, and I'm re- the other. I mean, I'm recording it on my phone too, which is I I feel like doesn't make for good audio, but I feel like it's okay because it's the same device that I'm using to get these dates. So it's like yeah, very digital. Yeah, you know, kind of and on the same theme. If you're too worried about production value. It just will get awkward, I'm sure, pretty yeah. fast. Right, I'm not going to, like... The other thing is it's very discreet, too, mm. to, like... And it's not, like, blinking mm-hmm. or anything, and you can have the screen off when you're recording. So, mm-hmm. normal, like, I did w- my first date. I didn't tell them that I was recording, and I didn't <laughs> tell them about this, like, <laughs> podcast idea. But I did my research beforehand, and it's not illegal. So you then haven't I, asked yet? No, after that I did, I started... Oh. I was like, hey, I know this kind of sounds a little strange and like, but I'm working on this idea thing for a podcast. Is that cool if I record a conversation? Just don't mind the phone. (laughs) (laughs) And most people are okay with it. Okay. So I don't, that's one thing that I'm working on right now, but I don't know if I want to make it anything more than an episode because like my parents will probably want to listen to it if I put it on Facebook or something, which is not what I want (laughs) them to, you know, but... Have you thought about making it anonymous as... Um, Maybe that would be impossible to do. I suppose, yeah. I I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good idea. I think I would just want to know, like, feedback and probably just show it to a few friends Mm -hmm. before, you know, some, like... Mm-hmm. a beta yeah. deal and just to kind of get a feel for if it is even like worth putting out there or what kind of feedback I'd get from it. Oh, I think that's a really fascinating idea. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a, it would be a, definitely like, you feel like you're a fly on the wall in yeah. a conversation. And like which on would be, someone's date, yeah. which is like, well, and you can be... totally tell when people are on first dates and you know, you're mm-hmm. like out at a restaurant or something, you know, they don't know each other yet. Yeah. <laughs> and like trying to... Because sometimes it's so awkward and it, it is like cringeworthy. Yeah. And maybe that's like something people will, would be, uh, I don't know, would like to listen to is like an awkward date. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would want to listen to that. Yeah. So, the, well, that brings up the question of editing too. Mm-hmm. It's like, how much do you want to make it sound like it was a good date? <laughs> because you totally could. You could base on like editing and, you know, not like changing people's words completely or like sentences but i feel like 
even with the sound that you have, the music can totally make it like a really playful, seem like a playful date versus like something that went totally wrong. And yeah. So I, I don't know. I've yet to really do anything with the audio that I have. But I wonder if you'd run into like the issue of having background music in the That's like the in the thing. restaurant. Like yeah, you couldn't because... maybe couldn't edit because right. it would sound if the music's real loud. Would... Yeah, that was the other thing. Is like. There was another day where we were at a bar, and then all of a sudden, this band started playing. And oh. like, I couldn't even hear him, and I was sitting right next to him. Oh. And so I think, which is too bad, because that was a good day, and the audio is probably garbage. Ah. But um, I know that's the thing. It's well. like, I'm trying to figure, now that that happened, I'm like, where can we go? That's not going to be too loud that I can hear their conversation and it's still not going to be weird if we're yeah. like, you know. And if it was outside, you yeah. can't do that in the winter. No, without... I mean, you could. It, I guess it really depended on the person that I was going to yeah. date with. But yeah. The zoo. Yeah. That would be a good spot. No music. And you could get animal noises too. Yeah, so you, you could still get awesome. like You could still get like good um, just audio in general and mm-hmm. you could repurpose it for something else too. Yeah. Monkey howling. You might need stuff. a windscreen, but yeah. you could oh, yeah. just do indoor zoo stuff too. Yeah. So yeah, I like I like this idea for a podcast though. So. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be very interesting. Yeah. So are the two of you going to meet up, do you think? Yeah, then, well, like, we want to make a... it together because she yeah. knows the the audio production side mm-hmm. and I know, like, storytelling. And so we've been helping out each other a lot. She's been giving me tips on, like, which sort of audio, like, tools that I can use and sort of tips and practices. And I've been helping her sort of, like, come out with an outline and... Because she has this idea, and she's been doing a ton of recording. Like, for the past six months, she's been recording everything, and she wants to Mm. make a podcast on space and spaces. So, like, for example, she's been meeting up at this art gallery um, and talking to the owners and how they renovated the space and the different types of um, exhibits that they do in there. And she's been having a hard time sort of, like, come up with a, a way to make it sound interesting and to sort of, like, tell the story of this art gallery. So I've been helping her with that. And, um, yeah, that's about the extent of, like, my experience and, like, the work that I've done in podcasting. But the stories that I worked on in school were, like, the fa- my favorite projects, hands down. Cool. And so I'm, like, stuck on this idea that now I want to really try to, like, actually get into it. Yeah. And, uh, what do you think is, like, the the biggest thing on your mind with podcasting, like, or the biggest challenge you think you're um, facing? Right now, it's just recording everything and having... Like the moxie to approach someone and be like, hey, would you mind if I recorded this conversation and held out like this clunky recorder you mm-hmm. know, with in front of us? And it's just like having to just get the courage to do that, mm-hmm. to just record everything because I'm like sometimes in a situation where I don't have it and I'm like, this is would be perfect, you know, to like make a little mini episode or something out of this or just like tell this little snippet of this story or something. You know, I'm, I don't have any of my equipment or anything with me mm-hmm. so i think that's the biggest challenge is just like having to have it on me at all times mm-hmm. and then also um working with different programs because i i could use audacity and like make and edit through that but it's i know it's gonna be something that i just need to tinker with and sort of explore on my own to actually make something that sounds cohesive and something that i would like to listen to mm-hmm. so those are the two biggest challenges yeah for me. what are yours in making and podcasting 
Or um, where, what were yeah. they, and then how did you sort of, like, overcome them? Yeah, I think at the beginning it was... At the beginning I was interviewing my friends, uh, and it was about things we were both passionate about. Like, for me, like, the conversations about composing are easy to make interesting because I'm interested in the details, so it's easy to make a conversation last for, like, an hour if you're both mm-hmm. really into a certain thing, I think. And the biggest challenge for me, I think, was seeing the bigger picture as the interview was going along like I don't think I imagined the arc of an episode maybe Mm. and sometimes there's not an arc it's just like a free-flowing conversation Mm -hmm. but now I have a little bit more of a rhythm of like what to lead with Mm -hmm. as questions and what to do in the middle and then how to kind of wrap it up Mm -hmm. at the end yeah. Um, so at the beginning, it was more of like I was just trying to pull information as much as I could. Like even if it felt like the conversation was like coming to an end, then I'd ask a question that would go off in a totally new direction, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I kind of like got past that feeling of like ah, I have to get every amount of information I can because mm. really it could just go on forever so it's sometimes better to just know when it's feeling like the conversation's wrapping up and just right one thing that I think has a good natural signaling the end of a show uh, is that I have like some traditions on composer quests where at the end of the show I ask them to come up with a theme song for the episode so they might like actually do it live and like write the thing at the end um, and then the other thing I do is I ask a final question of somebody that starting with episode 100 we started doing a question chain where the person who I interviewed before asked a question of the person I'm currently interviewing do they know who no not usually I usually don't tell them so Ah, so it's kind of like they ask a question and then it gets answered so so what are the types of questions that they usually ask uh usually music related something about the creative process Mm. but it's really interesting hearing what people's questions are because that's usually a topic then that they are thinking about so i'll often like when someone asks the question i will re-ask it to them and be like well how would you answer that because obviously you've been thinking about it or struggling Mm -hmm. with it so that's a good way to sort of wrap up a Mm -hmm episode yeah but then also like lead into the next yeah that's a really good that's the thing that um i think is really cool like my friend mitch who i interviewed in episode one and episode 100 he was the one who came up with that idea and i just thought that was really cool because there was nothing consistent really from episode to episode except me mm-hmm. so about composing <laughs> yeah and composing but i like that it makes this connection between composers who have never met each other they're suddenly thinking like oh i'm really curious now who the next person's going to be and how they're going to how they're going to answer that yeah yeah that's really cool well speaking of those question chains um, since this could very likely be a Composer Quest episode, I have a question from the last guest. Okay. <laughs> For you. All right. So my last guest was Colleen Birch, and she's an ethnomusicologist, and she's like studying Romanian music and folk music, and uh, she's in Romania right now, currently. So oh. I was Skyping with her. Cool. Uh, so she asked, if there's one thing you could change about the direction your work is going in right now, what would it be? Uh, I would like the direction to go forward. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh and become more productive i don't know i'd like to start actually doing something with uh the audio that i have right now and should meet up with lisa and see how she's doing yeah she didn't respond to me when i got home so i'm i'm a little worried like oh maybe it's going really well and she's just super busy or hmm. maybe she doesn't have anything yet well that is harder to meet people in real life i know you? and it was sort of a challenge to her too because we were saying neither of us had really dated other people since our exes and we were both like yeah we should really just get out there we should just do it and so it was like sort of a challenge for the both of us i had the much easier challenge because yeah. dinner is so easy it's just <laughs> like pick which person that you like how they look and then they pick you and then you meet up you know it's just like it just makes everything so much more efficient whereas like not having that there's so much more effort that goes into it you know yeah so and if it's like, yeah, I feel like it would be even harder to pull out a recorder in that situation where you met in real life. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she does tend to carry hers around way more than I do. Okay. But like at the grocery store, I don't know if she even where she brings it in. Yeah. So. So have you felt that like you're still very conscious of the recorder being there when you're on these dates? Um, only in the beginning. And only if, like, we start talking about, like, what made them decide to go on Tinder. And even the date that I didn't tell them that I was um, recording, it just, like, naturally went that direction because it's, like, sort of this elephant in the room that, like, we met on this app. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's still a little strange. So I don't really think about it until that point when the conversation gets to, like, what are you looking for and what are you doing here? And, like, and then I sort of, like, push them and ask them more questions hmm. because I'm, like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, I need better this is material. Really good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Huh. So I I don't think I could do that. Uh pull out a recorder on a date. It's weird. I would feel very self conscious. It's weird. But I guess that's part of the experiment. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I have a date tonight. You we'll do. Oh well. <laughs> good luck. I know, it's just like uh thanks. Yeah. Well, so Cool. Okay. I have a question then. Yeah. Um, if you could have a soundtrack for your dating life, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. So I will do my usual turn it back on you. What's your soundtrack? <laughs> I'm trying to think. What would it be? Maybe something like Queen because it's just like fun and sort of, uh, hmm, this is really hard. It's a good question. Jenny. I think Queen would be a good pick Queen just for the good. like energizing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of... But also sweet, yeah, heartfelt. Yeah, and playful, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. All right, cool. Something queen. Cool. So do you have any other questions for me, podcasting-wise? Um, I probably do, but none that I can think of right now. And I'm sure once I start to listen to this and edit, I will have a ton more questions, which cool. is usually the case, yeah. at least for me, <laughs> as I get wrapped up in conversation and I forget questions. Normally, I have a list. And I didn't have that today. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I, this is a good experiment. I think people will be interested in this as a Composer Quest episode, too. Just like... How to compose a podcast. Yeah. Like oh. Podcasting 101. Yeah. And I think it'd be a good um, assignment for you, too, to find music for this episode. Mm. Like, well, I, I I stick to stuff I have permission for. How do you find stuff like, like stock music? Well, it's nice because for this podcast, I always just use whoever's my guest. I ask if I can use their music. Yeah. So I weave that in. Mm -hmm. And then 
stuff I is the stuff that's not theirs is stuff I've made as like little bumpers, bumper music and um, Okay. Yeah. So like under the intro the there's I mean any I there's one like kind of it's become a standard theme on Composer Quest is by a composer from centuries ago, Giuseppe Torelli. Okay. And I took his music and like made my own version of it, um, just with cool. synthesizers and stuff. Yeah. Oh, nice. But yeah, there's also so there's Podsafe music. Okay. It's called, and there, there's like a network of people who just put their music up as, hey, you can use this in a podcast. Okay. And I think you just have to give them credit at the end. Okay. So, yeah. or freesound.org is mostly sound effects, but there might be music on there too. Okay. And again, it's like just a credit thing. So Right. Cool. That's one thing that I yeah. should have said when I was worried about what things I need. I need I mean, oh, yeah. The music yeah, side. Yeah. So, yeah. I think what you could do too, I mean, there's a lot of bands out there that probably would be just fine with having their music mm-hmm. on a podcast if you just reach out to them and say like, give them your pitch of your podcast and if it sounds cool yeah which yours does sound really interesting and seems like it could take off potentially maybe yeah <laughs> which means you just have to keep dating yeah that's exactly the tr- that is yeah. the tricky part like, that's what, what if- i that's the that really is the hardest part it's exhausting it's nice though because i don't have a job so my schedule is just like wide open yeah i can go on as many dates as many dates in a day as you want uh, yeah <laughs> Anyway. So who's the guy you're going on a date with tonight? Um, this guy's name is um, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking. We've been talking for a couple weeks, and I was like, not really into it. And he was very persistent, and so I was like, okay, fine. Um, he seems. Did you nice, preface though. it with like? No. I'm going to record it? No. No, you just bring it on them at the date. Yeah, I, I normally <laughs> is, it's just like a surprise attack. Oh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm going to find his name right now. Uh, where did he go? Oh, see the thing? I we were I gave him my number, so we were texting, and I haven't put his name in yet. So now I have to like remember which person he is. Well, luckily you're, for him, your expectations are pretty low. So yeah. So anything he does probably is, sounds like he'll... Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'll say that yep i don't remember his name well, that's really bad i should figure that out <laughs> yeah. beforehand well what? that'll be an interesting yeah. episode i want to listen to that where well, you try to figure out his name by other cues uh-huh you totally forget his name and <laughs> yeah um actually on wednesday i start i'm staging for um uh host position at a restaurant and there's a guy that i met on tinder who we've just been talking hadn't really like set up anything to meet um he said that he got a job at this restaurant i've been applying you know and been had been talking to the manager like trying to set up an interview and i was like oh cool like me too um and then i went to hawaii didn't talk to him and then i had an interview and then she told me that i should stage on wednesday and so i messaged the guy and i was like oh hey like by the way like, I'm going to be staging. And he's like, oh, cool. What position? I was like, oh, hosting. And he's like, oh, I'm scheduled to host on Wednesday. Oh. So we're going to meet at work. Oh. Work yeah. Date. A work date. But it's not really a work date. It's more just like going to work because we hadn't really set up a date. But it's, we. I don't know. I don't know hmm. what it, it's. I'm approaching it as like work. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but I still kind of want to record that. Too. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah. You have to get the full spectrum. 
Yeah. I think. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll keep you posted. Yeah. How it's going. I'm really curious. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Jenny, it's been nice having you here as guest on Composer Quest. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And look forward to hearing what you do with this episode. <laughs> yeah, me too. As I the guest it. producer. <laughs> look it up and ready to go. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with guest producer Jenny Handke. And a huge thanks to Jenny for all her time working on this episode. I, for one, can't wait to see where she goes as a podcaster. And I'll keep you posted when her dating podcast starts up. As a teaser, here's a little clip from one of Jenny's first dates. That's really what a lot of people say when I put to my dates. They're like, oh, wow, well, like, I don't know, I guess the first date is like an interview. And they're kind of right. Yeah. Is this recording now? Yeah. Move it where it like has a flare. I just don't want. It's just so obvious. It's just really painful to explain to people like the very first conversation. That you're I using have. them. Kinda. Yeah. In a way. I mean, it, it's it's a. It's good that you're upfront about it, and I'd rather be used for your little sociology experiment than. Like, have you watched Master of None? This is I'm sorry, Sean. You probably haven't watched anything. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, uh, I have you watched like, the whole thing? Because yeah. he goes on that date with a girl who orders like two and a half meals and she yearly goes out with them. Oh, her. right, yeah, yeah. Look it up and ready to go. Stumbling off to a place unknown. Yo! Living hell is mine as well, the night is all.